So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 5, Episode 12 of Before the 90 Days. In this episode, Kimberly does not appreciate Usman's lies, yo. Mike's translator keeps things real with Amena. Mahogany doesn't think texting about marriage means you're in a relationship. Gino's dancing skills are somehow worse than his Spanish. And a different translator manages to salvage Memphis and Hamza's relationship. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you're also watching Love After Lockup, we're covering that on our other podcast, Love After Lockup MK. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Miss Moreau. Hello, Miss H. How are you? Busy. Oh, tired. this is the so tired. This is I, I coach lacrosse, and this is the um, first time in like two years, you know, two plus years that we've actually had like a full team and a full season with full practices and everything. So, oh man, I forgot how exhausting this part of the year is. All right, it really is, and I think it doesn't help that I have a night class on Mondays now, which interferes with recording time. So it's really late over on the East Coast right now, and I apologize. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just get into it because we need to do we need this to power today. through, right? Yeah, we got to get <laughs> yeah. through them. All right, um, I'll go ahead and get started. Let's start with uh, I'll start with Memphis and Hamza, so we can see. Mm. One translator that's in the episode. So things are still pretty tense at the apartment. Hamza's like standing forlornly out on the balcony saying that he feels bad. It's been a couple of days since she confessed to him about why she stayed over at her ex's house. But things are still off. And Hamza tells her, you know, you like your problems, which I took to mean something like you're a drama queen. Yep. I thought that too. She thinks the language barrier is what's keeping them from fully understanding each other. And, you know, instead of taking that as a sign that maybe this relationship isn't the best idea, she thinks instead, well, let's just get an interpreter for this. The only important conversation we will ever have to have. We just need this one interpreter (laughs) this one time and we're good to go. So he's still very worried that there's still feelings between Memphis and her ex. And um, she hopes this conversation will ease his worries. So later we we meet them at a cafe with Hamadi, the translator, and Hamza starts the conversation by wanting to know more about the ex situation, which he thinks is not normal and worries that, you know, it's if that's what's normal in her country, culture or like if you feel depressed again, are you going to go back and do the same thing? She says that she would never do that and then doesn't understand why she's – and then he doesn't really understand why she's talking to him at all. So that's at that point when she starts, I have to talk to my – and then Hamza just interrupts her and is like, why is she yelling at me? Why is she yelling at me? What's going on? Yeah. So that brings up the other issue that he has, how she gets angry really easily. And it seems for a second that she wants to yell at him about that, but is like, wait, no, that's the problem. So instead, she stays quiet. She does acknowledge in an interview that it's something she needs to work on. So for her end of the conversation, she wants him to know how much she has writing on him getting married on them getting married and him coming to America. She's going up against her family and friends and then she starts to cry, which softens Hamza up and gets, you know, he like gets up and gives her a hug and kiss. 
So she also acknowledges that they have to figure out how to communicate better because they're not always going to have their hamadi here. So next up, they're on their way to Hamam Zirba, a romantic place. At least that's what that's the way Hamza describes it, to connect with each other after making up. It's like this ancient city and they spend some time walking around the ruins with Hamza carrying this suspicious go bag around everywhere. So she's a little bit worried that they're snakes, but, you know, instead he has her stand near some chickens while he runs off for a surprise. When he comes back, he's all dressed in white and then takes her to the top of the mountain where they can see the whole ancient city. And then he that's, here's where he gets down on one knee and proposes to her. She says yes and is glad when she does, especially when she sees the ring. So he says they have been online engaged for a while, but, you know, in-person engaged is a different thing. And he wanted to prove just about just how serious he is about the relationship. Okay, so let's go on because I thought the highlight of their um, – you know, MVP, at least of their segment, was the translator. So tell well, me what you, think you know the why you liked the translator is because he was so dramatic. I realized <laughs> I was like, this guy is taking some dramatic liberties with this interpretation here. A bit. Yeah, very much. Uh, well, he says and he like, he talked with his hands a lot, like things that were not said. Like, yeah, but he even kind of twisted some of the things, not to mean something completely different, but it's just like. It kind of reminds me in Ghost how he's like, I didn't say Molly, that. <laughs> girl, you in danger. <laughs> but like, yes, I guess you're right. Because it was like, because it was something like, you know, what happens when we get in a fight? Because it, 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 he didn't just say what happens when it happens again. He's like, you know, you get in a fight, which is things. It's normal things that happen. And like he, would, he did add his embellishments into it. Sure. Yes. He definitely did. So, yeah, he I thought he took some pretty dramatic liberties with his interpretations, his translations there. Yeah. But I mean, he did catch the uh, the most important part, which is the, why is she yelling at me? Can you ask her why she's yelling at me? Right. <laughs> uh, it's it frustrates me for Hamza. She treats him like a child. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's not her normal voice. Like, she has mm-hmm. a whole different register of voice when she's talking to him. Like, because we hear yeah. on the interview, she talks normal. And then, right. like, it goes to talking to him and she puts on this, like, weird Urkel voice where she's like, I need you to listen to me. It's like, what are you doing? It's just too parental. And considering he's so much younger than her and yeah. not so much, he's, he's not inappropriately younger than her, but she keeps on making a big deal. Like, oh, I didn't realize he was that young. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, it kind of seems like you're talking to your ch- child there. And that's just weird. It is. It is. I think the other thing that is weird to me that I just seems to just be the way that their relationship goes as soon as she cries. He's done. Yeah. Like he just gives up everything he was holding and everything he was saying. It's just like, I felt so bad for her. She was crying. Oh, my goodness. It must have been so hard. I think it has a lot to do with his mom. His mom, I think, has almost cried a couple times. And his mom has been through a lot. And I think he has a lot of love, empathy, and support for his mom. And Mm -hmm. so when he sees a woman crying, like, it definitely gives him some kind of reaction. And I really just wish she would stop crying. And not because I necessarily think she's being manipulative, but it's also not giving them authentic, like, reactions and results. You know? Because it just, it seems so, like... 
you know, it's playing on his emotions where this they're not making like logical decisions about anything. Oh, you cried. Now I feel sorry for you. And now it's okay. We'll be together. And it's like, that's not what you really want. It's just you feel that way because you feel a guilt and a sadness. Right. You didn't solve any of the issues that you had before you started. Like it was it's all still there, which like ah, brings me to his ah, proposal, which Mm -hmm. I'm not sure like that was necessary. But I mean, was it necessary? Are they because I can't figure out what their status is. Right. Because she seems to think we're already engaged we're getting married tomorrow yeah and he here he is being like i thought the romantic thing to do would be to propose who knows i think maybe what he really thought is she really wants a ring i could see that fair situation that's fair yeah because she seems like the type to have demanded that at some point yeah i guess i guess because like yeah it's just he it seemed to go very quickly from i'm not sure to i'm sure with no stops in between Right? Like, yeah, but that happens with almost all of our couples, right? That's fair. Yeah. I mean, let's take a look at Gino and Jasmine. They oh were, yeah. you know, just broken up because he did something horrific to two seconds later, he's asking for blessings for a marriage. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to that because it was like, but it just seems so much for. You're just a drama queen, aren't you? That's all I see. Like you're you're yeah. everything is a problem. Everything's a big thing. You're gonna start yelling at me. You're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. And then it's just like all of a sudden that big boobies, I guess. I don't know. I still cannot oh, figure no, out. No, today it was big booty. Big booty. Yes. Big boobies yeah. and big booty. That's that's right. Yeah. Because like I just can't it it just Every time I see this one, it, I mean, this is not the only one that's ever been like this, but every time I see one where they cannot communicate to each other that it's just like how do you even know who you're marrying like this is nothing well and that's what frustrated me about her emphasizing this importance of this interpreter you know yeah she's like we need to have an interpreter because you know being able to communicate is so important it's like you now value it like what about this whole time when you haven't been able to communicate anything so it's like you understand that that is such a vital part of having a healthy relationship but you seem to like skipped over the part where how this is going to happen when you both literally don't speak each other's language right and it just comes down to like i guess we'll have to learn and it doesn't seem like either of them is making that much of an effort no right but but you know Miss H, how much she's sacrificed, how much she's given up for this. What was what did she give I don't up again? Know. What has she what has she sacrificed so far other than I don't even think she's really applied for any visa yet, but I think that's like on the horizon of her possibly sacrificing. Yeah, I just that's what she said that. You need to know how much I have riding on this. Like, what do you have writing on it? I don't know. I mean, unless she's out here and that's, you know, kind of been the backdoor suspicion. Is she just looking for a second income in her house? And she's like, listen, if I don't get it from you, I need that second income somewhere. Right. But then even then, that seems like a terrible idea. Like marry someone in the States then because, you know, someone who has to be dependent on you for, you know, the period where they're waiting for the green card. That just seems like a bad idea because it just logistically doesn't work out where this person is going to be contributing right away and if anything it's like you are making an investment in this person right i mean that's kind of the way she made it sound 
Like I'm making an investment in you. Do you know how much I have writing on this? That that just it just really struck me as as messed up. That is not why you should be getting married to anyone. That is just like idiot logic. No, it makes no sense to me. No, it makes none at all. And especially because objectively, he's the one giving up more for this relationship. Like (laughs) for sure, he's the one going to be in an uncomfortable situation of being in a country where he doesn't speak the language. Right. You know, he's the one who can't work to contribute. So, you know, that means, you know, whoever controls the money kind of controls their lives at this point. So he's not going to have any control over any kind of money. You know, it's like he's away from friends and family. It's like he's giving up way more. And I don't know why she's just like she is. It seems to me, though, in general, what we've kind of seen of her, um, that she definitely has kind of like that victim mindset. Yes. And that's not to say that she hasn't had terrible things happen to her. She has certainly had her fair share of terrible things happen to her. We've seen, you know, growing up in a foster family, you know, and having some just like life choices or not even choices, but like life circumstances that she's had some rough things. But I think like she just definitely gets into this like very much like victim like woe is me right and it's like she's been strong enough to get out of these other things it's like i don't understand why she's doing it unless she's trying to manipulate a situation right because it just seems to me if it doesn't happen and they don't get married and she loses it right the only Mm -hmm. thing she's out is the cost of a trip to tunisia and uh, i told you so from her mom like that's it (laughs) so yeah. All right. So we said we come back to Gino and Jasmine. So mm-hmm. Gino is feeling nervous about meeting Jasmine's mom because he might have to take off his, as he refers to it, surrogate hair. <sighs> but he recognizes how important this is because it's make or break for their relationship since he's going to ask her mom for her blessing in their marriage. He meets Cecilia, her mom, and her sister Liz, who is 18. Jasmine prompts Gino to give Cecilia the gift he bought her. Her first impression of Gino is definitely highlighting the age difference, and she has suspicions on why he doesn't have kids at his age. Liz just thinks that he just seems nice. You know, she's an 18-year-old. She didn't care. Mm -hmm. Gino has to defend his age difference because Cecilia points out that Gino was Liz's age when Jasmine was born. Gino feels like this is an awkward question because Cecilia and Gino are the same age, give or take a year. They all sit down to dinner and Jasmine tells her mom that Gino is not comfortable taking off his hat for the dinner prayer. Her mom just kind of shakes her head in like annoyance or disgust. And Gino can tell things are not looking good for him. Cecilia allows him to keep it on. Next up, Gino is asking about old boyfriends for some reason. And Cecilia says that she wouldn't let Jasmine date. So she didn't have any boyfriends and she wants to change the subject. After dinner, they all look at old photo albums and Gino decides to ask for Cecilia's blessing. Cecilia doesn't want Jasmine to move to the U.S., but says it's ultimately her decision. She says Jasmine deserves to be happy. She says that it seems that they've made up their minds. So, you know, what does it matter that she thinks? She just says to really take care of Jasmine because she's a treasure. Jasmine feels relief that her mom approves but i wouldn't even really say she approved she just didn't like stand in the way yes i will not object is not the same as approve right yeah. <laughs> right so but she also thinks that it might be too soon uh for gino to propose given the whole ex nude drama later jasmine is trying to teach gino how to merengue but as she puts it he is the worst dancer ever 
they are still having fun and celebrating the successful visit. Gino is trying to figure out the details of his proposal, so he decides to call his brother Tony to get his feedback on the whole situation. Gino tells him that they were having problems because he was texting his ex, and Tony immediately sides with Jasmine. Tony asks if he still wants to propose since it's only been a couple of weeks of being together physically. Tony thinks that if they can't get along in paradise, what does that mean for the real world? But Gino thinks it's all worth the risk. All right. So Tony already didn't seem to be team Gino in the whole, you know, as Gino was describing it. But Gino didn't even tell him the worst part part of that whole story. So what do you think Tony would have said about the whole situation if he actually knew the entire truth? I don't know. I mean, I would have just I'm trying to imagine what I would say because I'm not Tony. Like if that were your brother, if that were my brother, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? Like, and she didn't break up with you like that would have been like. Why are you still together, dude? Like, how do you know it's like illegal, right? That that would have been my like, right? My you know you're a terrible human being, right? <laughs> right, like, dude, that I don't that's care that you're my you, brother. I don't know if you can come back from that one. Like, like that would have been like, yeah, no, this relationship well, is doomed. I mean, apparently Gino has seemed to have come back from it, and it's it's just so ridiculous to me when they do come back that quickly. It's just like, what is wrong with you people? Oh, I, I mean, I, I wonder how much part of it, and because I was thinking about this literally while you were saying this, is like, she's not going to let that go. Like, every time they have a disagreement, it's going to be like, well, you sent my news to somebody, so like, <laughs> take up yeah. trash, right? It's going to be... And I wonder how much of it is like that gives she kind of is invested enough in the relationship now because she feels like she has a permanent upper hand and everything. No matter Uh what I did, at least I didn't send your nudes to my ex. Like, I'm sorry, they weren't nudes. You were you were topless, but, you know, they weren't nudes. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, I feel like even before this, though, she was incredibly demanding and she had a I don't give a fuck attitude about it. So I just I don't know if. Having the upper hand is really getting her anything more in this relationship. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Like, w- maybe we have yet to see, but w- if this had happened pre-Christmas, would we have a different gift than a toothbrush? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think so. I think he's still giving her a toothbrush. Yeah, you think he's just doing and, – and, I, just, I just feel like something terrible has happened to Jasmine in the past. It's just – Awful. I know. Like uh, she, she yeah. just does because she just seems like what I have to do is settle for this dude. Like that's the only yeah. thing I can do. Like, and I have to settle for how weird he is, how unfashionable he is, how stubborn he is, how unthoughtful he is, and now how like devious he is. Those are all things that, that I, as if she can't do better. Yes, those are all terrible things. And now that you say that, he really is not a catch in <laughs> any way. He doesn't even have like. Uh, you know, sugar daddy is, you know, we've been uh, tempted to call him because uh, he refers to himself as that. I mean, he doesn't even have any kind of legitimacy like in that. He doesn't have any money, you know, and not to say that that should be a reason for her to be with him. But it's just like you literally have nothing going for you. He, he doesn't even seem to be a like person whose presence is fun. Or nice or like, you know what I'm saying? No. It's not like when he's around, you're like, like you can see like, well, you know, he's got a lot of things. But when when we're together, we have fun. Like she doesn't even seem to be having fun. Like he's like, no, you he can't, doesn't seem especially fun. You can't dance like you don't want to like you're always like, oh, no, you won't spend any money. 
right? It's like, well, he probably did spend money before. And I think that might be a relatively new thing because of his lost job. So maybe when he's employed, it might be a little more some sugar daddy, some, you know, at least let's go out and have fun, right? At least let's go do something. Yeah. His voice is so nasally. I would just not want Mm -hmm. him talking to me. No, he doesn't have a good sense of humor. Like he tells jokes. No. He tell we hear him tell his best jokes and they are not funny. Right? Yeah. They're very uncle like. Yeah. Like and not the yeah. cool uncle, like the the no. lame uncle. Oh, no, the weird uncle. Weird uncle. Yeah, he's very much a weird uncle. Yeah. But like, I mean, I just it was it, it, you mentioned it, but the the reaction of the mom and of his sister, too. But the, both of them are very funny. I like just the, yeah. like, oh, you get the 18. He's nice, I guess. <laughs> oh, right. Damning with faint praise. But, like, yes, I totally heard the mom's, um, you know, acceptance or whatever as, like, right. she's, like, almost 40 and she can do what she wants. Like, whatever. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. She's a grown woman. She can make her decisions. I feel like a lot, we get a lot of that, right? Where the partner always says like, oh, it's so important to me that my parents give the blessing and we always like build it up, right? And I feel like on this show specifically, it's like the parent almost every single time is like, well, what am I going to do? You know, this person's going to do whatever they want anyway. If I say yes or no, like I actually approve or I don't. And so, I, you know, I don't think we've had a single instance where the person hasn't approved. Oh, wait, didn't we have what was his face? The sweaty guy who went to Kenya. That was the one where didn't they disapprove at first? God, what was that oh, guy's name? Because he, he wasn't he was from offering Arizona. enough. Th- yes. Ben. Yes. Ben. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they weren't offering enough for the. I think sometimes there's dowry like negotiations. Right. But other than that, and I feel like that's what was going on. There was a like a dowry negotiation the bride there price. or something. That's what they the or bride was price. that the incident where it was like he was expected to ask more than one time or something weird like that? Oh, maybe. Like ask three times and on the third time you get a yes. I don't know. It's all very weird and very foreign to me. And I. I'm going to and I already have my speech plan for if anybody like asks for my blessing. And I was like, it's very oh, much. Really? Oh, it's very much. Why are you asking me? Like, it is not my decision. <laughs> you should be asking somebody else. Yeah, I definitely think like it's more modern times to just say, like, do you support us? Right. I think it would uh, be important for me to know that we have your support. Yeah. Is there anything that I could do yeah. to, you know, establish some kind of relationship with you, you know, where we can all be like, you know, it, like a loving family unit? I can see it being more like that, but it's more like accepting me rather than giving me your daughter. Right. And part of it is like, I don't know, Mose and all the people that. You know, my family with my parents that got married and the things, about you know, my sister and everything. It was like you had – it was hard. Everybody saw this coming. It wasn't like it was a big surprise <laughs> to be like, oh, oh, I don't know. Like it was – it was not like you know super long like, you know, you know, we've been dating for 10 years and you're getting married type thing. But like it was pretty obvious that this, that's where this – that's where these relationships were going. And so right. it was like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> like it was kind of those things. <laughs> But that's the thing. They were all – but those are also all people that my parents and, you know, their parents, everybody genuinely approved of each other. And so it wasn't like a weird like, oh, you're going to you're gonna do it whether I say yes or no. So 
I think some people also see it like as a sign of respect, right? Sure, yeah. And then some people tend to be more traditional than others. And maybe it means something to one of your daughters that their future fiance asks. Yeah. You I know? Don't think it so, would, okay. I mean, I just, I mean, I don't think you should just like shut it down. <laughs> But like, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be shut it down. It's very much well. Well, that's nice, but I'm not the person you need to ask. Is basically where it right, comes down to. Sure. Yeah, you made it sound like you were going to chase him off with a shotgun. No. How dare no, you? No, ask no, no. Oh my god, no. <laughs> that's the worst. Oh yeah, I just, I just hate that that dad culture of anything that implies I'm like their owner or their like yeah. a protector of their, their purity or something. Or something. Yeah, no, yeah. none of that. No, mm-hmm. they are their own people and make their own decisions. Um. Which brings us to, let's go with, I'm going to go with, no, let's go with Ben. Let's go with Ben and marketing because this was weird. This just keeps getting weirder mm-hmm. and I love that it keeps getting weirder. So yeah. despite the weird, awkward Airbnb meeting from the night before, Ben is still hanging around and drinking coffee in the pool. So he gets out of the pool. There's coffee on the side of the pool. So weird. He calls his friend He's Jason. He's just trying to show off his abs. Well, yes. In like whatever context possible. But why couldn't he go to the table and put the coffee there? I don't th- I don't know. Maybe because you couldn't get a good shot of his abs from the table. I have no idea. Well, I know he wanted to get that shot of him coming out of the pool because that's like the. the yes. Yeah. <sighs> so God. anyway, okay. he calls his friend Jason to debrief the previous night. He tells Jason that, you know, mahogany's real. She didn't. He didn't know that yet. And she took him to what was clearly a rental that she claimed to be her house and that she lied about her age. But he doesn't want to confront her now. He wants to have a stronger bond before bringing these obvious lies up. So he'll have a chance soon to make, make that bond stronger because they're spending some time together with a few friends of hers. They they around for the Amigas and after some awkward, bad Spanish time um, that and also producers got him to download Google Translate. Anyway, soon um, Angie and Elizabeth, the friends, arrive. He tries to ask if anybody's hungry, but instead asks if everyone, anyone is a man. You know, ombre and ombre, just too close in pronunciation for Benjamin. <laughs> so they go to get ice cream and Elizabeth tells us that she's surprised Mahogany would go for someone as old as Ben. He asks through the translator app for each of them to tell weird, weirdest question I could possibly imagine. Meeting my like girlfriend's friends and be like, so can each of you tell me something about mahogany that you love? And God. Elizabeth says that she's responsible, although maybe reliable was a better translation. Like you can always turn to her. Then then he asks if there's anything they want him to know as her new boyfriend. And then all three of them are kind of like, um, <laughs> are you her boyfriend though? Uh she told us that you were just like a friend that was visiting. So he sits in silence for a while and then asks Mahogany if he's a boyfriend or just a friend. And she lands on friend, not what he wanted to hear. She says that, yeah, when they were texting, she did bring up marriage and, you know, family and children in the chat. But how is she supposed to know that, that would he would be just as serious in person? Ben is in shock and they just keep showing us his confused face, which is pretty funny. Anyway. Even though things are getting farther and farther away from his ideal, Ben is still trying to savage this, salvage this thing. He's reassuring himself by reading the old texts, which we already know Mahogany doesn't consider like real life. So to solve all of his problems, his plan is to take her on a trip, hoping to connect with her on a deeper level when it's just the two of them. So they go into a town called Wakachina, which is about three and a half miles away, three and a half hours away. 
Uh, she says that, yeah, all those lovely things of a text, you know, I said I did say those things, but that doesn't mean it's a relationship. Those are just like the things you say to people before you start deciding to date them. So the bulk of the drive uh, seems to be awkward silence talking about stop signs and whatever languages do you speak. But then she at least thinks about one topic that's going to get Ben talking for a long time. Jesus. Please, Ben, talk about Jesus. Jesus was hard, right? <laughs> Jesus had a hard life, yeah? So they eventually get to the place, which thankfully they have two different rooms. So he's hoping the change of location will get him to have, the, you know, mahogany from the text messages back. And, you know, the car ride Jesus talk made him hopeful that he can get that. So the next morning, they're excited for their adventure, dune buggying, which actually does look really fun. But he has a surprise set up too, a romantic picnic in the middle of a desert. So she acknowledges that this trip has been awesome so far, but she has some questions like, what were you like when you were my age? So this leads him. Oh, to, God. Yeah. When you were my age. That oh, my God. That's such a weird question. That is like what. Isn't that what your kids ask you? Like, too? Like, very weird. So this no, leads. No, my kids ask me, did computers exist when you were a kid? I, meant, I was like, how old do you think I am? Oh, man. That, I was talking about my my daughters. But yeah, like. And they. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely have, like, I don't know. They, they also don't, uh, sidebar, students don't know the order that things came in all the time. They're like, they don't know that, like, YouTube came before iPhones. Like, or they're like, what? Well, I don't understand. Like, so, anyway, the next morning, oh, oh sorry. Um, anyway, he, yeah, that, when the my age thing, because he was kind of getting married at that time. So, it leads him to kind of uh, go into his divorce, which he blames on. Poor communication because of the rules of his church. She doesn't like that his relationship with his ex is bad since, you know, she's still family and everything. But he wants to quickly change the subject. What changed between this text and real life? She says that he skipped the step where he asked them to be part of a couple. But he's just like, I kind of assumed we were because you were talking about having babies with me. So thought that meant we were at least, you know, boyfriend material. So she then tells them that she thought they were just texting and it's normal to talk about these things. So she also hears about this other one, the other woman that he was engaged to because she's also like, did you ever date anybody else in your 20s? Which is a weirdly specific question. Anyway, to her credit that when that didn't work out because, you know, she didn't accept his children, she is like, wow, it's really weird that you have all these messy breakups and it's never your fault. That's pretty, uh, pretty um, coincidental there. So she correctly says that it's immature and strange that he won't own up to his mistakes. But he thinks that she owes him because, you know, he's ignoring all the stuff that, he, that he's seeing. She should just ignore his stuff, too. OK, so asking a question. Um, so when you first start chatting with someone, how quickly does the topic of marriage come up? Before you're texting uh, OK, as <laughs> The woman, I think that there is definitely um, some gender stereotypes that would prevent me from really talking about that openly. <laughs> sure. You know, because it's okay. like I don't want to scare them like, off, uh, perpetuate the stereotype that I'm a woman and I'm just trying to get married. Right. Like that is like my number one goal. Right. The other thing is I you know, kind of playing the other side of the gender stereotypes. I'm not trying to scare some man off because he's freaked out about, you know, marriage. Okay. Now, if a guy came to me and was talking to me about marriage, 
I don't know. I think I would take it more seriously. I wouldn't just kind of be like, oh, yeah, you know, like when we get married, blah, 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 blah. Like the only way I could really ever see that happening is if I'm trying to get something from him or if I no, that would be the only thing like or if I really felt that way. And so that kind of leads me to believe that if Mahogany like is talking like that, it's like she was seemed very flippant about it. Like, yeah. oh, well, we were just talking. Yeah. I you mean, know? and it's like, well, that's were you? that scans if you're like just saying things like, oh, yeah, I always thought when I got married, I'd have three kids and, you know, kind of right. still using the I words um, in relation to marriage mm-hmm. and not and not we and us. But like. He was right. He was going through those old texts and she was like, oh, you're my love. I can't wait for eternity with you. Things like that. That was not like that was not just like flippant like, oh, I always wanted to get married in a on a beach. Right. You know, I could see like if you were saying like that, that you'd be like, yeah, we talked about marriage, but it was like not serious. It was just yeah, we just mentioned what my dream wedding would be, you know. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with her, but I I was with Ben on being confused about how the conversations were so serious. And then she doesn't seem to think like it meant anything. And I it's not I don't even think she really like didn't think that it, you know, was serious talk. It's just like, oh, but it doesn't really mean anything like. Yeah, sure. I talked about marriage. I talked about marriage with you. I talked about kids with you. But we're not boyfriend and girlfriend, so it doesn't really mean anything. It's like, I don't know what kind of weird logic that is. I didn't. And, and I, I I feel like you could have done a better job being like, yes, it was less the specific marriage talk and more the like really lovey-dovey stuff. Like that's just like weird stuff to throw out like to people like, oh, yes, my love, my special person, my, you know, things like that that she was throwing out there in between. That seems to me like those are just things that I don't know. You don't just flip right off. Maybe it is cultural that you're just like, whatever. That's just what you say when you're texting well, a new person. was my thought. I don't even know if it's cultural so much as generational, right? So if you're older and you're more in a position to be thinking about those things and for them to be a reality like tomorrow, Mm -hmm. I think like at his age, like if he's talking about something serious, like it means that he's serious. If he's talking to other people that are that age, it's serious. It's like serious, right? But if you're talking to someone who's really young, to them, like marriage is still in the future. Having children is still in the future. Sure. And you can talk about it like you're serious about it. And it's not that you're not serious about having those things. But to you, it doesn't necessarily mean immediately now. It's still a one day. One day we will be together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think it's more of a generational gap than it is anything else. And that's why I feel like he's not getting it. But then also it's like you have to know that as someone who is intentionally dating these young, young women. Yeah, it's tricky, too, because I I still feel like she was being dishonest with one or both or other oh other i'm people. not saying right. she's not but at the same time i do think there is an element of she doesn't really get that her dishonesty had as much weight as it did yeah yeah i mean because it, it was also because it hurt him on the other end too right because she told her friends like this is just a mm-hmm. friend right and yeah. he's i mean whatever you might not you might you might say well you never officially call us boyfriend and girlfriend but he's clearly not just a friend 
right? Right, right. And so, yeah. And so that's caught him by surprise. But I don't, I don't know. I'm also kind of creeped out by the fact that he is like, oh, I have a plan. And it involves getting her alone away from everybody else in the middle of the desert so we can have this long talk. <laughs> like, like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> creepy, Ben. That's not good. These aren't good things. This is psycho talk. Yeah. Right. What is with everybody in wearing striped pants on this episode? Uh-huh. You got Memphis wearing these pants. You got Mahogany wearing these pants. I was like, did someone decide we're just all going to wear striped pants? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the wardrobe department. They showed up and were like, I got striped pants for you. Here we go. Striped pants know. episode. I, they were not flattering on either one of them. That was not my favorite. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Jimena and Mike. So Jimena has just told Mike that she loves him, but she's not in love with him. He asks why she keeps telling him she loves him then. She says that being in love takes time and they need more time living together. Jimena says that she's been having doubts and that's why her feelings have changed. Mike asks her what the doubts are and she puts off having the conversation. Mike tries to hug a cross-armed Jimena goodnight, but she's just not having it. She doesn't want to lie to him or hurt him, but she just doesn't love him. Mike feels like if she would just communicate that this would be better. He thinks that a relationship is two-sided. One side to communicate what's wrong and the other side to fix it. (laughs) The next morning, Mike calls his friend John to get a reality check. Mike tells John that Jimena says she needs space, so he's been sleeping in the kid's bed. He tells John that Jimena doesn't love him anymore and wants to postpone the wedding ceremony. John gets him to see that the relationship is clearly one-sided. John points out that Jimena was trying to get out and she doesn't think he's the one, so it's starting to come out now. Mike asks if John's fiance Nelsie, can act as an interpreter so he can get to the bottom of all the drama. John says he'll ask, but he also thinks that Mike just needs to see that he's better off without Jimena. Later, Mike and Jimena go to a restaurant to call Nelsie. Jimena doesn't think it's going to help, and she's annoyed that he's talking about their problems to his friends in the first place. Jimena brings up that he stares at her when she sleeps, which is why she wants him to sleep in another room. She calls him slobbish and piggish and isn't happy to be near him. Nelsie says she wouldn't want to be with someone like that. Nelsie then asks if she feels bad that she took advantage of Mike and took all his money if she doesn't love him. Jimena says that she could just go back to working, and the only reason why she quit her job is because Mike started sending her money. Nelsie tells him to get the F out of there immediately. Mike then tells her that he hopes they can still talk and be friends. Jimena asks if he's ending it, and the episode ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... It's so drastically different. First visit versus second visit. Yeah. So do you think that Jimena was acting before? Like, how is it this like night and day? <sighs> yeah, I, I I actually feel like there was a lot of stuff that went down when he wasn't there that we're missing out on. Like, I feel like that was the true down, you know, decline of the relationship and i think he went there the first time was on his best behavior you know was just going to meet her and then the thing and i think he went back and i think he became ridiculously overbearing and it was like i like the amount of contact we had before like and i don't like waking up to 20 text messages and i don't like you trying to call me all the time i don't like this This right 
And I think it got worse. Yeah. And I think to an extent, the first time she was acting like I, she was. And I think and I don't know if you want to call that acting right. Pretending lying uh, as I'm sure Nelsie and John would put it. Or if, mm. you know, the kind of thing, the more generous interpretation was like she wanted it to work and she wanted to love him, but just couldn't make it happen. Like yeah. it was just it didn't it wasn't going to work um, because she didn't seem even when he was there the first time. The physical thing was always a th- an issue for her. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It just – it just it seems like there was a lot because the second visit, it wasn't even like warm at the beginning. She was already like, he's already annoying me. Annoyed. Yeah, he's already yeah, annoying Yeah, she me. was already annoyed that he's there. You know, I w- almost wanted her to elaborate a little bit on the slobbish and piggish part and yes. not just say that because at least I feel that Nelsie could have somewhat been like, yeah – I know he's like that. He just farts and burps, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, how depending on how good of a friend Nelsie is. Right. But it's like if Mike can't even hold it together for the person he's trying to impress, I'm sure Nelsie knows that he's like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely need more. A little more. To, is it just the farts and burps? Like, is that literally it? Um, or is there other things that like we kind of didn't hear about or, you know, we, we weren't getting as much detail well, about dragging the dog poop into the house i'm sure did not help did not the situation help. well i mean the, so the worst part for that for me wasn't the part where he dragged it in everybody steps in dog poop and then goes ah crap like right but it's the fact that he kept it in there he kept it in there he didn't take it at least throw him out on the porch yeah it's just those yeah. little like half-hearted measures it's like you know the same way my my kids when i'm like all right pick that up off the floor you drop that wrapper and they're like okay and they like pick it up and put it on the table and i was like it it doesn't go there either Take it all the way to the trash. Right. Like, don't finish the job. She kind of made it. She kind of made it sound like he has bad hygiene too. So I wonder also if it's like he just generally smells. Yeah. You know, is he like just sweaty all the time? Because oh, oh man, I, I hate when like guys are sweaty and they're just all up in your business all the time and you're just like quit sweating on me. Just like give me space. I would believe if he's in like upstate New York and he came to freaking Columbia, I bet he would be just sure. like whoosh, like just all sweat all the time. So there could be Oh, that would just be awful. There could be BO issues with that too, because yeah. like you're just not used to that kind of heat and you're not used to that kind of weather. Um and also that it's not like it's an air conditioned house that they're staying in. Right. 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 So, yeah, could be sweat, which he can't do anything about. Now, the thing I uh, did. Eh, yes and no. Yes and no. You can try. You can Botox your armpits. I'm just saying. Well, he's not going to do that in the two weeks that he's there. Well, it's probably cheaper for him to Botox his armpits in Colombia than to do it in the U.S. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, the part that bothered me about this whole thing was Nelsie acting, acting as the translator. And. At uh-huh. some point, a third of the way through, just stopped translating and started yelling at Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> nope, don't, don't do it. Get out of here. Bad idea. Run away. But it just, Never look it, back. It, to me, and it's a thing, it's like everybody emasculates Mike. Like, and mm-hmm. she did it too. Did she make him a part of the conversation so that he could do it? Or did she yell at Jimena and say, don't you feel guilty about taking his money? Don't you? And like arguing on his behalf and then saying, get yeah. out. You know, like I didn't I didn't I didn't think that was respectful for her at all Tour Mike. I thought that was extremely disrespectful to Mike. Well, Mike isn't going to do it himself. And I think she knows that. So, I mean, it's like, how can you emasculate someone who can't be emasculated anyway? Right. Oh, and which I think is also the larger issue for Jimena. 
Like he's just yeah. not assertive. He's he, he's not assertive. He's not confident enough. And it's like mm-hmm. he's such a pushover that it actually disgusts her. Like, yeah. All right. So that leaves us with uh, Kimberly and Usman. So we do pick up from last week where Usman tells Kim that the Zara song w- was about a real person and that he was in a relationship with her. At first, Kim is like, why did you choose this moment to tell me about it? Why did you ruin my first after sex day? And then why did you keep it for me for so long? She feels like she was being loyal the entire time they were talking and making her sound like a fool, yo. Which she gets angry and says, yo, after <laughs> like every since. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since they've been talking for like a year and he didn't break up with Zara until four months ago. So, you know, they overlapped. So... At some point in it in the interview, um, they're like talking to each other and she crosses her arms and then Usman is like, oh, wait, we're crossing arms and then crosses his arms. So back on the spice farm, she's ready to go. And just We're just going back. I'll hop in the van. And she says that, you know, what she just heard changes things dramatically. Had she known he was in a relationship, you know, back a year ago, she would have never pursued him. And now what kind of assurances does she have that he won't do the same thing to her? She's pissed enough that she intends the book Travel Home and also is so mad that, again, she keeps ending every sentence with yo, which is problematic at best. So he tries to touch her (laughs) and she pulls away. Um, And in the van, she says maybe they should break up and go their separate ways. So now that she says they're breaking up, Usman is coming back to her room to return the gifts that she gave him. She has no need for a PS5, but she'll take the laptop back. She wants... She He wants her to give him credit for always trying to keep her happy. And now he's just standing around while she packs up. He wants to know what it is that she wants him to do. Like, what do, what do we want? What do you want? Like, what did you want from me to not date even somebody even though we weren't in a relationship? So Kim says she's not mad that he was in a relationship, but, but that it's that he didn't tell her she was in a relationship because – And this was especially weird. Apparently, like around that time, she was like, I'm totally falling in love with you and I'm keeping myself exclusive. But, you know, he didn't care and didn't tell her. Anyway, the whole thing was giving him, starting to give him some controlling baby girl Lisa vibes. So he leaves thinking that maybe some space is better so they can consider their future. So she thinks their future should just be that they end it, though. All right. So... I don't know. Um, Lots of stuff going on here. I guess, who do you think had the better argument in this argument? So, at first, I was like, Kim is freaking overreacting over nothing, right? Right. And then when she explained it a little bit further where she was coming from, I was like, I I think I get it. Yeah. Like, I get what she's trying to say. Like, she's saying that she would never pursue someone or act like she was pursuing someone if they were in a relationship so the fact that she kind of feels like you know she started off as being the other woman um and i think the biggest thing that really put it all together for me is she said that now she's concerned that he's going to do the same thing to her and she's not wrong Mm -hmm. you know who else is he going to keep in the wings for like Oh, yeah, I'm just friends with this person. I'm not crossing the line, but I know that this person is really interested in me. So if ever the opportunity arose, I could pursue them and I have a backup. Yeah. I mean, that's you would. And that's similar to the same things that got him in trouble with baby girl Lisa, right? 
was yeah. have all those mm-hmm. girls and he was all he always plays that that card of like what am i gonna do they're my fans of course i'm gonna have fans right. of course they're gonna be i never crossed love to the me. line with any of them yeah it's only been you and he could say that but now at he the same can't time, now there's I three get... fans that he's hooked up with like at least oh, that we know about yeah so i mean i actually respected that she like was willing to break things off because she was concerned that this was like a a pattern with him. Um, And I also would say that I respected the fact that he had the decency to return the gifts, but at the same time, I felt that it was somewhat out of like protest and to just like make a point than it was like, I don't need your gifts rather than doing it because it's like you're trying to show that I wasn't using you for money. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did it just so he had an excuse to go to a room and talk to her. Like, yeah. Like that. That's what I thought that was about. Like he wanted to just stand there and, mm-hmm. and go and just and like, I don't know, definitely take a holier than thou thing. It was like. Because you were, and he just he just didn't acknowledge. He's like, "What do you want me to do? We weren't even in a relationship. Like, we're, as soon as we were in a relationship, I told you about her. That's exactly what happened. Like, the, we went to relationship the day after, but like, you weren't in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, but you were clearly in some kind of other relationship, and it was a relationship you were in with her where you were hiding your girlfriend from her. Like, that's regardless yeah. of what you thought it was at the time, potential, no potential, whatever. Like. It seemed like that relationship was close enough that you had mentioned you were seeing somebody. Right. I think the other aspect to it, too, is I think there is an element of she kind of thinks of herself as the person who is going to, uh, you know, nurse him back to life from this horrific relationship he was in with his ex-wife. Yeah. Right. And so to think that someone else did that already it very much reminded me of um on friends how monica dated paul the wine guy and she thought that you know he she was the first one that he had slept with since he was like uh divorced and things she was like really proud of it and then it ends up that he had slept with all these other women (laughs) and so it's just kind of like that idea of you know like I'm the one who's bringing you back to life and and making you enjoy life again and realizing that like romance can be fun just to realize that it's like, oh, poor woe is me. It was just a total sham and it was like fake just to like garner sympathy and, you know. Yeah, and it's not. And that someone else fell for it. Yeah, and it's not totally, you know, it's also reasonable to get mad about. The fact that he literally did lie about who the music video was about. That wasn't a lie of omission. That wasn't something you should have told me. She specifically asked, who is Zara? And he was like, it's nobody. It's a name I made up. And so she sat there friggin' directing the music video for a song written for another woman that she didn't know about. Like, that's kind of that's pretty messed up, actually. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Honestly, neither of them are my favorites. Oh, no, no. I don't like either of them. No. Yeah, but at the same time, I would have to say after this episode, I liked Kim a little more. Yeah, I mean, I liked her a little more now. That doesn't change. That doesn't really change the weird way she was begging for sex a couple episodes ago. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. She is still not my favorite by even a little bit. But, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know how that makes me feel about 
the fact that she begged for sex this whole time and mm-hmm. then she was like, oh, she finally got it. Now she's willing to be like, all right, well, this isn't working out for me. I don't like this situation. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And so you can tell whatever story you want. But at the end of the day, you flew to Africa to hook up with a guy once and then flew back yeah. alone. Like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. All right. So uh, we have not heard from Ella and Johnny, so we don't know what's going on with them. Do we know when the season's wrapping up yet? Are we getting close? I don't think we do. We still got okay indefinite right. ending. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, who was your student of the week? I actually went with, despite the fact that she does annoy me, I went with Memphis um, because mm-hmm. – I think she was the only person I always appreciate when people do this that admitted to their faults. She was like, yeah, I do kind of get angry a lot and like overdone. I should try to stop doing that. And maybe we don't communicate as well. I don't know that she had good solutions to those faults, but at least she admitted them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It was difficult for me to think of a student of the week. And, you know, as much as I want to give it, to Kim a little bit for most improved. I'm not. And weirdly enough, I'm just going to give it to Jasmine. It's like neutral. Yeah, she was very neutral. You know, like mm-hmm. she didn't really do anything crazy. She hasn't done anything crazy. Um, She's being normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, yeah. That's our new. That's our new baseline. I don't know if he's the worst dancer ever, but it's not like he's good. He's not good at dancing. Yeah, but she was having fun with him, you know. It was. And at yeah, least yeah. she's not acting like a total jerk to oh, him. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And yes, it was a playful fun. And at least – because I wouldn't even say the worst dancer ever because there's – Oh, he was pretty bad. Like, he was very bad. At one point, I thought he was, like, marching like a soldier. I was like, stop that. That's not a dance. You at least got him to do it. The worst is somebody who just refuses to dance. And they just, like, stand there. Oh, no. Gino is the type of person who knows he's a bad dancer and he's going to do it anyway just to embarrass you because you pointed out that he's a bad dancer. Fair. That's the kind of guy Gino is. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, who is your dunce? I'm with Usman, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. He 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 did that, you know, gaslighting's overused. And I don't think it was quite that, but it was, you know, a lie because you knew this thing was a big deal. Right. Which is why you hit it from her in the first place, which is why you lied to her when you she asked who Zara was, which is why you yeah. took her aside in this thing and tried to tried to get some get her in the afterglow so she wouldn't be too upset with you. God. And, you know, and then later go to her room and be like, it's not a big deal. I didn't even do anything wrong. How can you believe you even think I did anything wrong? Like it's no, you knew you did something wrong and now you're just playing it up. And I, I don't like when people do that. So Usman's my dunce. Yeah. Okay. So my dunce, I mean, if Jasmine is my student of the week, it's because she has to deal with my dunce, Gino. It's like, Gino, how can you go from the drama that's just happened to, you know, asking for blessings for marriage, refusing to take off your hat still, even though it's like a respect thing, you know, it's just like. Uh, then t- telling his brother like half the story just so it doesn't make him look like a total ass, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, get out of and here. And we didn't even bring up the, the surrogate worst. hair thing. Like, it just that doesn't make it make any more sense. Like, I have a, I do have a full head of hair, and mm-hmm. if it was like possible for me to remove my hair out of respect for five minutes for thirty seconds while someone did something and then put my hair back on. 
I would do that. It's like, and so it doesn't, yeah, it's right? not like, well, you, you could do that. It's, it, okay. It's your hat and you like it. The way it looks, just take it off for five seconds. Yeah. Like, why does it matter that people know what he looks like without his hat? I don't get it. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's like, is he just afraid that the fandom would like screenshot it and then like li- live on forever on the internet? Like, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I mean, it, it, but again, he always says things. Oh, I don't like the way I look with it on. I don't like the way I look with a tie, but sometimes you wear a tie, man. Like, just do it. Right. Like, if I could, like I said, it's, 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 like, I have hair. I'm, I'm not as attached to my hair as he is to his hat. And that's what's weird to me. Oh, my gosh. He's, yeah, he's a bizarre kid. All right. So, uh, lesson of the week. All right. So, translators, first of all, you're not supposed to talk to them, A, right? When you're using <laughs> yeah. a translator, you talk to the other person and they tell you what they said. But when you, with the people who are translators, you're actually supposed to translate what they said and not, become a relationship mediator in the middle because uh, I feel like we kind of had two translators that did that and we're like adding either right. their own embellishments or just taking over the conversation completely. So it's like I don't think that's the services you pay for when you get a translation. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so my life lesson is aim towards mahogany and I think just maybe other people that would do this as well. Um, everyone just stop with the big talk of, you know, weeing, um, living your life with someone, all like the things that, you know, would kind of make people feel like your relationship is more serious than you think it is. Yeah. Um, I think it can be really hurtful and just... I don't know. It's just so empty. It's like the people that they just say those things to kind of get what they want out of you, out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it really just um, cheapens the, the meaning. Like if you – you should only say it if you actually mean it. Yeah. I mean it definitely seems to me like she kind of had this idea where, you know – Online isn't real life. What you say online doesn't actually yeah. apply to what you, what happens in real life. That was me playing a game, right. like a lovey game with somebody. That's weird that you would think that's real, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh, we will be back next week with the same group since uh, no sign of the tell-all coming up. Nope, nothing, nothing so far. And I didn't even hear them. I don't think I heard them say like, the last episode before the tell or anything like that either. So (laughs) we're just going to keep going. Yep. Okay. Until then, we'll see you all next week. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Good.